Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. And welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, David and I are going inside the episode titled Command Your Success. Yes. Command Your Success. This is a good one. I love the idea of um, the Command Your Success verbiage, the way you phrase that in this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and get into that a little bit later. But you began this episode by sharing an encounter you had with a series of cassette tapes by the man who would later become your mentor, which I love it when you always talk about cassette tapes because I too was a cassette tape guy. So it kind of dates us a little bit. But in that first 15 minutes of listening to these cassettes, you had mentioned that everything you'd been studying up to that point kind of came into clear view. Can you recall what that feeling was like and how it confirmed in that moment that you were on the right track? Yeah. Yeah, I can. So the, the, the things that I was studying up to that point, first and foremost, I think my very first exposure, I think, if I recall this correctly, was actually the book Think and Grow Rich. And somebody had given me that in the late 80s. And I read it, and I did not understand it. I, I really did not understand it. I mean, I understood some of the things that they were saying. I just didn't understand how that was going to apply to anything that I wanted or, or whatever. Then I came across a couple of things from Earl Nightingale. Still, uh, I was, it wasn't connecting. Something wasn't connecting. But then, so I put those two things down. Then I picked up Tony Robbins, and I, I did a deep dive with Robbins. Um, something probably more about being able to relate to somebody that was closer my age. It was the, the right time frame. We were talking about stories that were 70 years old. Yet, at even, even studying to, with all of his personal power stuff, went to a few of his seminars, there was something missing for me and I didn't know what it was. And part of, of the problem was that nothing that I was studying was addressing the religious contradictions that I had in my head around success and money and, you know, probably sex and, you know, all, the, all those different types of things. None, none of the people that I, had, that I had been introduced to, now, it, that doesn't mean that there weren't people out there. There sure. were. I just didn't know about them. I didn't even know where to look to find any of this stuff. Um, but nothing I had listened to to that point addressed the religious, the religious contradictions. I thought in my head that it played a role somehow, but I wasn't sure how. And at this time, back in the early 90s, there, there was really kind of an explosion of a, of a channel called TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting mm. Network. And it's the religious channel that most people are aware of. It's the big religious channel. And they were doing a lot of televangelists on there. And around this time, these, these, these preachers started incorporating almost what we would know today as coaching language, right, or self-improvement language into the religious aspect of what they were doing. But they weren't doing it big. They was just dropping it in here, sure. here and there. <clears throat> so I was kind of intrigued because I would hear a few things here and there, but, you know, I still wasn't putting it together. When I got those two tapes 
those cassettes from Proctor. I put him in my car on the way home, and he immediately started talking about spirit and the human being and success, whatever it is that we create. And the way that he explained it instantaneously brought everything that I had heard and organized it in my mind, and it made total sense. And it was an overwhelming rush of emotion in the car. I literally started crying because I had never heard that before. Yet there was something inside of me that knew that it was true, what he was saying. I couldn't explain to you how I knew that or, or whatever. It just, the way that he explained it, it made so much sense. And I think that the emotion was also a relief from everything that I was trying to learn when I was a kid religiously, because I went through a hell of a time trying to learn things as a, as a child, and nobody could or would explain it to me. I just don't think they knew, to be honest right. with you. They knew their perception of how they, they, were, they were raised in Catholicism because I was raised Catholic. But I also had friends that were Jewish, and I had friends that were Baptist. And, you know, I, I went to many different churches because I was looking for these answers. And I wasn't getting them. I would get a little piece of something here that was <clears throat> that was interesting or a little piece of something there that was interesting. Uh, <clears throat> but I really was not putting it together. But yeah, when, when I was in the car and I did that and he started talking about, uh, you know, spirit is everything and the spirit's constantly flowing to, your, to and through your consciousness. Your consciousness forms this image and then that's what spirit becomes. You know, like the whole manifestation process he explained, I was like, that's it. This is the guy that I need to learn from. Right. And that was it. I mean, that was, that was it for me. That was, I found my teacher and I did a deep dive into him. Uh, that's great. I love, I love the idea of you just kind of sitting there, whether you're in traffic or on the road and you're listening to this tape and it just hits you yeah. out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, everything becomes clear. It's sort of like that, you know, everything's all foggy and then that sun breaks through and it lights everything up, fog burns off and you're totally, totally clear. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling there's a lot of people out there to listen to that, that you're that guy for them. So it's kind of a, a nice juxtaposition that Bob was that guy for you and now you're that guy for other people. I think it's just so cool. And you want to hear something else? I don't know that I've ever talked about this. Oh, yeah, we love that. The guy that gave me the tapes, the reason that he gave me the tapes was because he was trying to get me involved with a network marketing company. And Proctor had done a lot of teaching and training for this company back in the day. And the, 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 the tapes were recorded in a conference that he did for this company. So when he gave them to me, I was kind of thinking like, because I did not want to have anything to do with network marketing, right? right? He was pushing and pushing and pushing, <laughs> trying like crazy to find a way into my psychology to get me to go to one of those meetings and have dinner and all that stuff. And he knew that I was a big Robbins fan. And he's like, have you ever heard of this guy? And, and to me, Robbins was the guy sure. then, right? Like, there's nobody as big as Robbins. I'm going to learn from the best. You know, He that was your Zeppelin right there. That was your guy. Yeah, yeah, kind of. So... <laughs> The, the, when I, when I took them, there was almost like a prejudgment in my head, like, this is going to be bullshit. What does he know about self-improvement? Like I know anything, right? Sure. But what does he know about it? And, uh, and then when I put it, when I, when I put the tapes in, that was it. That was it. It was, it was, it was almost instantaneous. I it was I'm 15, 20 minutes at the most. I listened to the, before it hit me that like, boom, this is the guy. 
Wow. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I think there's a lot of people like your your radar was immediately up. Okay, this guy is trying to scam me or something. And then all of a sudden, you you very easily could have just pushed those to the side yeah. and never even really come into contact. I maybe. could have very easily pushed. Very it easily aside. pushed it aside, but you didn't. And I think that you know, for a lot of people, you know, ever opportunities come in all different way, shapes, and yeah. forms. And that was an opportunity for you. You pushed through it, and boom, you got all this clarity. I think that's that's fascinating. Yeah, I love it. Well, a big theme in this episode, of course, is commanding your success, like we talked about at the beginning. Would you mind reiterating the difference between asking for your success and commanding your success and why that subtle shift in logistics or uh, linguistics, I should say, is is so important? Well, the, yeah, the difference is is the, the understanding of where the success is. Um, we're Most people are, are raised to believe that we have to go out and get success. Right. It's something right? you're achieving, you're working towards, you're achieving. Yeah. That it's not part of us, that we have to get it, we have to yeah. find it. This is where ideas of like, you have to know somebody, you got to be lucky, you got to have the right amount of money, you know, it just goes on and on and on from there. Um, when I started learning, one of the first things that I learned was the success that we desire is already inside of us. It's part of us. And that's really what the word desire explains, right? Uh, but most people just don't know that. You know, it's funny you even mentioned this because it was the, the other day somebody sent me a copy of a speech that Denzel Washington did for Harvard. It was one of those graduation yeah, commencement, yeah, commencement speeches. Speech, sure. And he, uh, Denzel Washington actually talked about this in the speech. He said that desire was the affirmation from God of what it is that you're supposed to do in your life. And I'm paraphrasing. I don't sure, remember sure, the exact sure. quote. And I was like, I instantly thought to myself, I wonder who he studied. Because most people that I've come across, uh, very few people actually understand that about desire. It's not taught in religion. Right. It's not, it's, it's actually taught something to stay away from. It's almost taught as a bad thing. So when you command it, you're commanding from within, from within, from within yourself. It is the desire. It's the passion. It's the purpose. The thing that you want is coming up from within, and then you're making that in your life. It's not something from without. It's from within. Yeah, what a novel idea to think because we're taught, like you said, that success is something you chase, except it's yeah. something you go after. It's external. But what you're saying is when you command it, it's coming from within. Yeah. And we w we're not taught that way. What a novel idea that would be to sort of reverse that and have when we're teaching our young people that, hey, you're, you're, you're born to be a success. You've had programs, you've had podcasts here that are directly linked to that. You were born, it's your birthright. And uh, start coming at it from that point. I think yeah. it would make a huge shift totally. for people. Yeah, I love that. Command your success. Well, I especially loved it when you said we're given a set of rules and guidelines to reach to the world or to teach to the world that we are a part of, but not how to command the world we are a part of. So sorry if I kind of chunked that out. We know that these rules and guidelines are born and repeated from those who raised us and the environment we grew up in. You've talked about environment, how important it is. So we basically just look at the rules and guidelines we're given and that's what we carry over unless something changes it along the way. So the question I have in this is what are some steps a person can take to sort of take that awareness and start making changes in their life, knowing that, you know, that we're basically repeating a pattern here yeah. the, from our parents. So what are just a few steps a person can take to get that awareness out and start making changes in their life? Well, here's the biggest one, and it's the one that most people have no clue. What do you want? What do you really want? See, it, you know, I remember the first time I heard that, 
uh, I heard it in the context of so, of something I was listening to that was talking about how to set goals, and they were like, write down a hundred and one things you want, and you know you're going to organize these in the goals. And I was like, a hundred. That's a mountain of goals. I could think of three things. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm not exaggerating. Sure. I could think sure. of three things uh, because my life was desperate at that point. I didn't know. I didn't know how to to take care of the basic needs of life. So. It is the probably the most important question a person would ever sit down and ask themselves because it really t- requires some serious thinking about what do you want. Most of the stuff that we have in life, we don't want. You know? And here's, here's another thing. Think about it like this. The second you die, everything that you've worked for your entire life, the things that you've got blood, sweat, and tears that you, you hold so cherished to your heart, they belong to somebody else right. instantly. right? They belong to somebody else. We, we are just caretakers of things. Uh, it, we don't own anything. Right. You're just kind of renting it. <laughs> it is. So so it's not about, oh, I need to get this cup or I need to get this car or I need to fly first. It's not about those things. Who we become in the process is ours forever. The people that I learned from, and I have a tendency to agree with them, it seems to make sense based on on what we understand Whatever you become in consciousness seems to move on to wherever where, wherever, wherever going. we go next, right? Sure. There's it's stages, right? Could be all, could be all wet there, but that's the way that it seems to be. Um, it's definitely not about how do I get something, but how I get something is really has more to do with media marketing and advertising telling us what we should have and what we should want mm. versus what we really want. So there's a couple things that have to happen there. One, you have to give yourself experience. You have to be willing to step out and experience different things to determine what you want or not. I think that a person will instantly know the thing that is for them in their life once they start to do it. I've heard too many stories and experienced it myself that the moment you do something that is part of your purpose, it's like you've come home. You may not know it. You may not understand it. You may have to learn and cultivate and develop skill set and all that stuff. But there's a, there is a harmony between you and that thing that you don't experience anywhere else. I that's me with my teaching, right? That there's something that clicks there for me. That while I enjoy lots of other things in my life, it's there's nothing that compares to that. So the person has to sit down and determine what do they really want, and they have to. And here's the other thing: there's no race. Spend as much time as it takes to figure it out. You know, I did all different kinds of things. Part of the problem was that I was following, I was following things that were more or less, what can I do to make a living? Because I took on a tremendous amount of responsibility before I actually started to grow as a person in life. So I was married. I had a couple kids. And it's all about how I, how do I survive? How do I support this family? How do I earn a living? So you're looking at opportunities then, like, well, how much does this pay? And how many hours do I have to work here? And can I create a c- career, you know, in this over here? And asking yourself if you're happy with it is last, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, you know, I'm not dying. I can, I can do it. I, you know, I can be happy doing this. You're not happy doing it. But you're trying to find a way to psychologically accept what you're going to have to do in order to live this life that you're born into. And I think that's the wrong approach. Yeah. I do. I think, I think it should be that we should, we should keep investigating 
pay close attention to what we're hearing on the inside that we're drawn to, explore the thing that we're drawn to, and then ask ourselves why. Why was I drawn to this? What did I learn? What is it teaching me? What is it taking me to next? But a person has to, they have to take their life serious in order to do that. And unfortunately, most people don't. Right. They take their time serious. In other words, how much can I get paid for this time? Mm-hmm. But they're not looking at their life from a serious perspective. Like, listen, not going to be here that long. 80, 90, 100 years max, I'm out, right? That's going to go by in the twinkling of an eye. What are you going to do in that time frame? Because that's, that's the essence of what it is that you chose to do with this lifetime, right? Yeah. So it, it is very interesting to me that so many people would think or reduce their thought process to less than nature as far as the purpose that, that they're here for some kind of purpose. Everything in nature has a purpose, right? To think that we don't when we have the highest intellect on the planet is, is ludicrous. Sure. But somehow, because of survival and survival thinking, we end up in that place. So it requires thought. A person has to seriously ask, what's your life about? And what is it that I really want? Yeah. And then they have to pursue that every day for the rest of their life. Right. Yeah, it, it kind of hit me when you said, you know, you've got a finite amount of time here and you get one shot you do. at this. So the clock's ticking. It's ticking. And there's there's people who are listening to this podcast for the first time and are just getting in the early stages of their careers and what they want to do and they're really starting to think maybe maybe this isn't what I was supposed to be doing. And then there's people who are on the other end of the spectrum who are much older and are like, well, I'm pretty comfortable in what I'm doing. I hate what I do, but... I'm going to stick it out because it pays the bill. Yeah. So, you know, coming from a person who, like myself, that that question, like, what do you want? It's such a difficult question for me to answer um, just because it comes down to not what do I want, but more what do I think I deserve? I think that's the big piece for me, you know, kind of working on some self-esteem and where I get my value from. So I have a feeling that there's probably people out there that are in that same boat. Like, you know, I really want these things, but when I start to write them down, I'm like, well, I'm not worthy of that. So what's the shift there? Is it sort of similar in that, you know, just get over yourself and just keep pushing? Well, getting over yourself is kind of hyper simplistic, although it's true. I'm not, I will say that there is a truth to what you're saying. Here's the problem. Most people are dealing with worthiness issues. They didn't create them, they adopted them. So the problem is, and, and the understanding then comes from, why is it that I'm following this internal story that says who I am? Why do I have to be loyal to dad or mom or the minister or whoever the hell raised me and become what they thought of me or what they, or what they even indicated by their behavior, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes parents are extremely condescending to children and they don't actually ever say you're a piece of shit or you're not worth anything, but they treat them that way. Right. So the child develops that internal view of them of themselves. When we can start to ask that question, we can start to separate it. And that's when you start to acknowledge the part of yourself that knows that you are worth it. And little bit, little by little, it starts to come to the surface. I also find that when that happens, you start to see the falseness in the ideas that were given to you as a child. And then you get to a point where you're kind of separate from it mm-hmm. and, you, and you don't see it that way anymore. And then you think to yourself, how the hell did I believe that for so damn long? But, but it's, you know, I mean, that's the truth. Yeah. No, I love that. No, that's perfect. Perfect advice. I think that 
I'll definitely take for myself, and I'm sure people out there will take that as well. Um, you've repeatedly stressed the idea that when we want something of a higher nature, you have to give up something of a lower nature, and uh, believe that's the law of sacrifice, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Can you talk more about the power of that law and why it's so integral for success, this law of sacrifice? Yeah, so it's basically... It's not as much what you're doing, although what you're doing plays a role. It's more about who you're being, right? Mm. So we were talking about the story. If a person has low self-esteem, they're following a story of low self-esteem. They see themselves with a low self-esteem. That means that the thought process that they go through every day, the way that they feel, the way that they interpret the world that they're in is all seen through the lens of this idea of a low self-esteem. If I want to become great in life, if I want to find my purpose, live my purpose, become the best person that I can be, I have to sacrifice that story in order to accept another one to go higher. If I want to be around great people, I have to sacrifice hanging around bad people, mm. right? If I want to live in a great house, I have to sacrifice living in a mediocre house. So it's always about letting something go of a lower nature to be able to move to something that's a higher nature. And it's not about getting, it's about who you're becoming in the process. That's the whole idea. The whole idea is about growth. <coughs> the growth, the growth that we go through is supposed to provide service to other people in humanity. As we grow, that growth is a benefit to myself and to others. And as I provide that benefit, I expand consciousness, I expand service throughout humanity. So it's it's really about who am I going to be? What am I going to give and provide? And then what can I receive? Mm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we don't talk a, a lot about the law of sacrifice, but it's omnipresent. I mean, it's always here. It's You're, always, you're always sacrificing something yes, for something you are. else. Yeah, whether it's good or bad. You know, sometimes yeah. you sacrifice the good for the bad and vice versa, we hope. Um, no, that's great. We're going to transition a little bit here and talk about frequency because I know you had some, some thoughts on this in this episode. Um, you said that bringing yourself to a higher frequency is not about feeling good. It's about bringing your mind up to the level of the image that you want. And then you went on to say the universe does not judge what you want. It's amoral. It gives you what you want. Do you have any suggestions for our listeners to demonstrate that idea, maybe something small? So, you know, really, I think the idea behind it um, is that everything is already here. It's already here on an etheric level. It's here in the knowledge of the universe. If I want to experience something different than what I have, I have to raise my thought consciousness to the level of that thing. And all I have to do to do that is to build an image of that thing, whatever that thing is. And I raise my consciousness to that level. As I begin to raise my consciousness to that level, all the information that's on that level regarding this thing begins to actually come to me. I, could, I will experience it in thought. I will also experience it in circumstance and, and in environment with other uh, with other people. But then it's about the manifestation of that. What am I going to do with that information? The idea of feeling good or bad is really a choice, I believe, as to how you're going to go through life. Because if you're always waiting for something else to feel better, you're never going to feel better. It's all about how you choose to feel about yourself 
you know, right now. But the, but the step is, it's a, it, the first step is form a clear mental picture of the thing that you want and hold that picture with your will until you bring in all the information for the manifestation of that picture. Sure. Absolutely. Um, well, in this episode, you once again referenced Price Purchase Book U Squared, and you shared one of my favorite quotes, which is, absence of evidence is not evidence of its absence. Right. And then when you read that for the first time, it just hits you right between the eyes. And it, it just flips on its head. The, the whole seeing is believing notion. You know, you don't need to see it to believe yeah. it. What about that quote makes it so powerful and something you could really dissect and study? Well, again, like we talked about in the beginning, part of the idea is that success is separate. It's something that you don't have. And not having something is, of course, a perception. It's how we're perceiving the world that we're in. But if we, if we come from a higher knowledge and say, listen, I understand based on the laws that if I can think something, it must be here. Even if my eyes tell me that it's not, then the absence of evidence is not evidence of its absence, right? Sure. My perception being focused in on whatever I'm focused in is causing me to perceive that it's not here. If I'm focused on debt, I won't see the wealth in my life because I'll be focused on the debt. And the wealth is here. It may not be in my bank, but it's here and it's here for me. And I'll never find it until I stop focusing on the debt. But I focus on the debt because I don't see the wealth. If I could see the wealth, I could pay off the debt and I wouldn't have the problem. See, but the problem is, is that we're so hyper-focused on what we don't have, thinking that it means something, that we get stuck and locked into that mental picture. And the truth is, is that whatever it is that you desire, that's the first inclination of evidence that it's here. You couldn't desire something that wasn't here, and you couldn't desire something that wasn't here for you. Right. And it's recognizing that yeah, in the moment. It is. So if let's say, let's bring debt back into it. So if a person's in debt and it's the only thing they focus on, they're never going to actually see the opportunities that were there. So how do, how does a person like get away from just focusing on the debt? Focus on wealth. Focus on the wealth. Just constantly. Yes. I, and that brings me back to what you said earlier. It's sort of that conversation around, you know, the desire of something and, and being able to, to, to sort of see where it is that you, that you struggle. I, it's, it's, it's amazing that I know a lot of people who would be listening might say, well, I, I can't, I have to focus on this. It's because I'm so scared and fear and worry yeah, and doubt yeah. comes in. So it's getting away from that it and is. just the wealth is here. And just, you really have to be diligent in your thinking. This is a nonstop from, from the time you were born until the time you leave, you really have the, the people who are on this journey, the people who listen to your show, they are really having to intensely focus on what they think about yeah. because if they don't, they're going to stick with the debt and they'll, that's all they'll get yeah. is debt. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. We don't think that we can do that. We think I have to focus on the debt, just like you were saying. It's getting to the awareness where you realize you don't. Mm. And I'm not saying you don't have to pay off your right, debt. Right, right, right. I'm just saying you don't focus on it, right? You create a plan to pay it off, but then you focus on wealth, Right? You have sure. to focus on it. You're never going to see it if you don't start focusing on it. See, when you focus on something, you start asking different questions. When you're focused on what you don't have, you ask questions about why you don't have something, you never find it. Right. And when you focus on the wealth, that's when the opportunities show up to oh, totally. acquire that wealth yeah, and you absolutely. start to grow into it. Now, that's fantastic. Um, we don't need to know the how. 
You said that's God's job. So many entrepreneurs find themselves stuck in the how, especially early on when they're starting out, because it allows a certain level of what I would assume would be control in how they move yeah. forward. You yeah, know, that, yeah. that how. I'm a big how guy. Uh, what are some other ways that the how can be so crippling when it comes to, to positive growth? Well, when you, can't, when you don't know the answer to it, you don't move forward. Yeah, you just kind of quit. The, you're, you're just stuck. stuck. Yeah, you're just stuck. stuck. I tell this story. I've, I've told it thousands of times, I'm sure. Uh, when I was driving a forklift, every day we would go to lunch, and I would go in the lunchroom, and I would sit down with a pad of paper, a calculator, and a pencil, and try to figure out how do I go from 20000 a year to forty. And I did this for the better part of two years. And I was trying to scheme all different kinds of things. Like if I picked up an extra job here, if I sold this, you know, like whatever I could do. I even, I plowed snow for a while. I bought a snow plow, you know, so I could pick up some extra money. I could pick, I could make more money snow plowing than I could on overtime. So I would wait and I lived 60 miles away from where I work. So my wife would say, hey, we're getting a snowstorm here. I would leave work on time instead of working overtime. And I would go plow mm-hmm. snow because I could make more money. And I, and I got to the point, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm never going to get to that number. I'm never going to get to that number. So the, 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 the whole thing was stop focusing on it. But I didn't know that. See, I was taught you focus on the problem till you find the solution. Mm-hmm. No, you focus on the solution and the problem takes care of itself. Right. right? So that's, you know, it, but it, you have to get to the point, I think, where you stop being addicted to the problem and you're willing to walk away from it. Right. And it took me quite a while to get to that place. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in, in your analogy, what your real life situation with adding the snowplow and adding all these other shifts, it was like, what can I add more onto my already stuffed plate to yeah. get to this point? And just by stepping back from it and realizing there's a better way, another way, that's when the opportunity showed up for you to, to double your income right. like that. Yeah, that's great. All right. Last question here, and then we'll go on about our day. Um, in all your years of study, you know, the title of this episode is command your success. So yeah. successful mind podcast success is a big part of what you do. So just kind of a, nothing really relating to this episode per se, but you know, which successful people stand out to you in all your years of study? Are there some that you have studied more than others? And what, why did they leave such an impression on you? And I know I'm kind of blindsiding you with this question, but there's a lot of, you're a, you're a constant studier and you really break down people better than anybody I've ever seen. Which successful people stand out more to you? Well, it's people that continue to move forward with their life, that don't, that don't stop, that don't get tripped up and go completely in the other direction. I think Steve Jobs is a, a great example of that. He did it all the way up until the day he died. He knew his place and, and what he was doing. But, but I see success in many different ways. Ultimately, I think Earl Nightingale had the best definition, the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. So for me, any person that I study that, that is following that idea, to me, is a success. Whether it's the, the founding fathers of our country, or it's the person that invented the telephone, or it's the person that invented the computer, or somebody who's, who's trying to figure out a way to keep people from starving on the planet. It's whoever is progressively realizing that internal image, that internal voice that's telling them which way to go, that's what I see as a successful person. It is not about a destination, and it is not about whether a person is perfect or not. Yeah, and it, it's almost like, you know, when you're studying these these people, 
you're building this like successful cyborg, a little bit of this person, a little bit of that person, a little bit of this brain, a little bit of that brain. And I love it whenever you're into someone new and people can go back through the back catalog of the show and they can see who you've been studying in those moments. And it's a really beautiful snapshot in time about how you're constantly striving to better your best. You're constantly looking to see how you can be more successful because in your success, you help others achieve their success, which I think is, is so perfect. So, well, this has been great. Command your success. I think it's a lovely way to uh, really, you know, grab life by the by the horns and really make it your own. So appreciate it. Name, name it and claim it, as name, they say. Name it and claim it. Well, thanks for coming inside. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.